The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. I will not wear the mask. 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 I will not wear a mask. I will not get the vaccine. I will not get the vaccine. And I will not get the vaccine. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust, and I will not be afraid. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above Rise all. up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked chime? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of this I hate world. the work of those who fall away. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall stand. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmonious sound. For you, O Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will you, triumph Lord, in the works of your are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. I will defy tyrants. 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 And with that, good morning, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people. All the boat rockers are in the house and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio where we use the Bible and the Constitution, not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S.-occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns you about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us here on Thursday morning. And if you would like to check us out online, please do so. SonsOfLibertyRadio.com, SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio, head over to SonsLibertyMedia.com. If you want to join us on the video portion of the radio show, that's right. You can see the faces made for radio. Scroll down on the right side of the page, and we are streaming live second video down there on that page. Um, click on that, blow it up on your device that you've got, and then click on the icon for the platform we're on. Join us in the chat. There are lots of friends in there this morning. Good morning, all you guys. Great. Thank you. Uh, great to see you, and uh, good to... Have your support every day. Uh, it's always great to see you guys in there. And then we're also on DLive.TV at The Sons of Liberty. Before it's news, top of the page, 
beforeitsnews.com, top of the page there. We're, we're live there. We're also on Twitch at Setting Brush Fires. We're on Roku at um, Cutting Edge TV. And we're also live on Rumble. I'm going to get to that in just a moment. Sons of Liberty Radio live on Rumble. Sons of Liberty Radio live on Rumble. All one word, just sticking in there. Change your video search to a channel search, and you'll find us right there. Hop over there. In fact, while we're doing this, I will seek to drop this link in to the chat. So if you guys want to to jump over there on Rumble, they've got um, a great quality video, much like that of DLive. And um, I'll just drop those links in there if you want to hop over on the, uh, the the Rumble channel and help us build that up. That'd be great and um, good to see a couple of people or a few people over there in Rumble as well. Um, right above where we're streaming live is Bradley's show from yesterday. 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central is when he's on live. But uh, anytime after that, you can see the replay of the previous show. So you can do that. And then right above that is where you can sign up for a newsletter. Um, you get one email from us a day. Again, we don't rent, sell, or spam your 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 email folder. Okay, just one email a day, and uh, that includes the morning show archive. <clears throat> Real quickly, if you'd like to help us in what we do, there's a donate button at the top of the page, sonsoflibertymedia.com. Make a one-time donation or become a son or daughter of liberty. That link is also at the top, and uh, you can take and um, click on that and become a partner with us monthly. And you get some goodies in there. You get a discount in the store and stuff like that. And then our store is available. This week we're highlighting One Heart, the testimony of Stephanie Joy Dean. It's normally $7 this week only through Saturday at midnight. When you order one of these, you get one free. Okay? Don't have to put in a promo code or anything. It's automatic. If you order five, you get ten. Okay? That's how it works. Pretty simple. Buy one, get one free. You got it. One Heart, the testimony of Stephanie Joy Dean. Share this with some of the young ladies in your life or some of the older ladies in your life or some guys. Who knows? Who knows how God would use his testimony here? So uh, be sure to to uh, check that out if you've been looking for that. Now, qu- I've got several things I'm going to cover today, but one of them I, I kind of want to cover from yesterday. And, um, you know, it's interesting to me that how the Lord works in this. Bradley was speaking yesterday. If you didn't hear the show, the show from yesterday in the afternoon, Bradley was speaking about this raptured from responsibility stuff, right? Now I can tell you where all that stuff starts coming from. I realize there's a Jesuit guy somewhere out there in the 1500s, but it predominantly came, it was never heard of, the dispensational kind of thinking that you hear from people like Hal Lindsey, and I don't even know I don't even know the people who are out doing it now. It used to be Tim LaHaye, Jerry Jenkins, all these all these cats, right? Who are making boatloads of money teaching this these lies, and they are lies, okay? And I was taught that as a new Christian. Um, I didn't understand it, but I saw these guys were appealing to Scripture. And I didn't know any better. And this is why I be, I become a big fan of context. Because context keeps us from going out and doing silly things and taking the Word of God and making it the Word of man so that we can appeal to our flesh. Okay? So, yesterday's show with Lynn that we did, I got, some res- I got a response from somebody. I haven't seen them before, so I don't know if this is the first show they saw. But you're going to love this. This is their name on Rumble, End Times Prophecy News. Now, that right there tells me 
that they probably don't know what their Bible actually says. They followed some teacher who's taught them this stuff, and they've played Bible ping pong in order to string along an eschatology, and that just simply means that's just a big word for saying the study of last things. Eschatology is nothing more than the study of last things. When you hear uh, ology, most of you homeschoolers, you know this stuff, right? <laughs> ology means a study of, and then the es- eschat means of last things. So you've got a study of last things, okay? And my friend Bill is in the chat. Good to see you, Bill. Uh, we had a lengthy conversation yesterday morning. I didn't get a lot of work done, but it was very um, exhortative to me and uh, helped me in some areas, too, for which I'm thankful. We're going to bring him on. Bill is the truck driver theologian. We're going to see if we can bring him on to talk not only about some theological things, but also what's going on with this uh, alleged crisis concerning you know things getting to the shelves and stuff like that because he's got some interesting insight as a truck driver. But here's this guy. He says, you show all these kids quoting Bible verses, judgment to the wicked, then you welcome the LGBT abomination people to the broadcast. What kind of crap is this? And I didn't, I was like, I thought he wrote something before that. Maybe I missed something. Um, and I didn't quite get what he was referring. He's referring to that whole, you know, thing that I do there at the first. So he does that, and I said, it's because people tune in to listen to the message. I don't know what their background is. I'm not discouraging them from listening to the message. I welcome them to listen to the message every morning. I don't care what their worldview is at that point in the sense that they're tuned in, and I want to be hospitable to them in the sense that they're made in the image of God, and they are sinners in need of a Savior. Okay? Plain and simple. And Jesus did that too. Did he not go in the midst of sinners? And what did he do? He called them to repentance, didn't he? Well, this guy says, well, you need to change that. We're going to see that in just a second. And then I added, Jesus was called a friend of sinners by who? Who was he called a friend of sinners by? The Pharisees, Matthew 9, 11, Matthew 11, 16 to 19. He was called, and it was in a derogatory fashion. Oh, you're hanging out with those people. Remember when, when, the, uh, when Mary came in and she's uh, crying on his feet and she's wiping his feet with her tears and then and doing all this and they're, and they're looking at him. You, know, you can just see the scowl. You can see the buffalo stance as they look at Jesus and go, don't you know who this woman is? What are you doing with it? They would call him a wine-bibber and a glutton. Why? Because he was hanging out with wine-bibbers and gluttons. He was ministering to those people who were sick. He wasn't ministering to those who said they were okay. They didn't need a physician. That's the Jesus I know. That's the Jesus in the Scripture. So when I put it on, I want you to see how he misunderstands this. And if he's misunderstanding what I'm saying, you can bet your bottom dollar he's misunderstanding what the Scripture says. He says, then you should welcome them to follow Christ and repent. Well, apparently this guy doesn't listen to the show. That's all I got. He must have listened to the first thing and said, this guy's out of whatever. He doesn't fit my mold or whatever. Not just say welcome. And this fool who called me a Pharisee, well, I didn't call him a Pharisee. Did I call him a Pharisee? No, I said, maybe a little more Bible and a lot less Pharisee. What I'm saying is, quit acting like one. There are times where believers act like Pharisees, aren't there? Yes, there are. Paul addressed Peter when he was acting like a Pharisee, when he was eating with the Gentiles and the Jews came down and he went and he left the Gentiles and went and go eat them. And he says, you're not being straightforward about the gospel, bro. You need to repent. 
So he says, I called him a Pharisee. Obviously, he doesn't know what the Pharisees didn't believe in Jesus. Well, what does that have to do with it? And conspired to put him on the cross. Well, of course. So calling any born-again believer a Pharisee is retarded. Well, I didn't call you one. I said a lot less of that kind of action in your response. So if he's missing how I wrote what I wrote, and he's putting words in my mouth that I didn't say, then you can bet he missed it on the end-time stuff, okay? And then he says, maybe I should read the Bible on who the Pharisees were. I know who they were. I know exactly who they were. They were people who put up a standard that wasn't even biblical, that they didn't meet, and they tried to force it on the people to make themselves look better. I know exactly what they are. And Jesus condemned them. Whoa, 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 whoa. All through Matthew 23, he condemned them. All men are sinners. Everyone has come short of the glory of God. Of course they have. No man is good. I I agree. And no man seeks after God. I bet he doesn't believe that one because he thinks men have free will and they can do whatever they want. You know, they can, they have the ability within themselves to come to Christ and they don't. And again, but anyone who thinks they are not a sinner, Jesus is no friend to. Read and learn, Tim. Well, Mr. End Times Prophecy News, um, I have read and I have learned. And I actually read what you said and I addressed what you said, not what you didn't say. So just want to throw that out there. I, I would encourage End Times Prophecy News, if you're listening or you listen to this broadcast later on, why don't you tune in to Bradley's show? You can pick it up on Rumble from yesterday. Rapture from Responsibility, not going to happen. Why don't you tune in to that? And then why don't you call in later on this afternoon? Because Bradley's not going to be in. I'm going to be filling in for Bradley this afternoon. Okay? And <clears throat> the point is, is this. People need to hear the truth regarding that. That is a big stumbling block for many here in America. I've said it before. I've said it again. Uh, this is a big stumbling block for those here in America. Now, with that said, um, I want to hit on some of this issue with the FDA and big pharma companies. Okay? Yesterday, I had a little blurb here. And I'm going to pull from my friend Marianne Perez. Now, we've had Marianne on before. Uh, she lives down the way from me at uh, in Myrtle Beach with her husband. And he's a Methodist pastor. A great guy. I just, I love talking with him. He's uh, Lou. He's, he's a, just a great guy. And uh, Marianne has been going back through. We had her on the show in the afternoon about a month ago or so. And one of the things that she did was she said, I'm going to start pulling out these articles that I've written in the past and, you know, redo them and put them back out in the public. And they're with regard to the FDA. So here's something that I ran across yesterday and I put it out. Uh, this is from Jordan ah, Schachtel. I, I hope I pronounced his name correctly. Um, S-C-H-A-C-H-T-E-L. He says, you have a, an experimental drug that needs a rapid authorization from the FDA in order to be sold to the masses. Looking to siphon billions of dollars from the U.S. taxpayer for your newfound pharmaceutical product? In today's America, you can buy yourself a former FDA commissioner. Yes, that's right. You, these big pharma companies buy former FDA commissioners. The FDA is nothing but a hotbed to be a corrupt agency, and the main reason it's going to be corrupt, and it's always going to be corrupt, 
is because it's unconstitutional. Nowhere in the Constitution can you find anything for the government to be involved in health or science, either one of them. And you certainly don't find an agency being put up to do what the FDA does, which is basically shake down companies for money uh, for themselves and then render a product to you, which, by the way, we're going to look at. These, these people have approved of all kinds of drugs that have killed millions, millions of Americans. Okay? He says, and use the, pro- and use the public sector, private sector, revolving door system of corruption to impose your will on the American public. And make a windfall for your executives and shareholders in the process. That appears to be the exact strategy utilized by Johnson & Johnson, Pfizer, and the company that founded Moderna, which have rostered a series of former top-ranking government officials into top positions in their respective organizations. Now, who are these guys? Because there's three of them. Three former FDA commissioners are now employees of Pfizer, Johnson & Johnson, and Moderna. Is that a coincidence? I think not. Let's look at them. Former FDA Commissioner Scott Gottlieb, the ultimate personification of the revolving door mechanism, sits on the board of Pfizer. The frequent Pfizer-sponsored CNBC guest also, and again, Mockingbird Media, 30 to 40% of their advertising is from Big Pharma. Do you think they're going to tell you the truth about the shots you're getting, the pills that they're advertising to you on, on the television? Nope. Revelation 18.23. They're being deceived by their sorceries, their pharmacia, their drug use. Okay? And he is, uh, uh, he is the guest on CNBC, also maintains several thousand shares of Pfizer stock, and he is compensated well into the six figures on an annual basis, uh, Gottlieb earns millions from his continually increasing board appointments to a plethora of pharmaceutical and healthcare companies. The pandemic profiteer also sits on the board of Illumina and Tempest Labs, which sell FDA-authorized COVID-19 test kits. Oh, isn't that interesting? You did, you guys, you're a smart audience, so I don't, I don't treat you like your babies at all. You, you guys, most of you have heard about Soros and Gates purchasing the company making some these these COVID tests, right? You've heard about that. So all these people are in, in the same bed, okay? Additionally, he sits on the board of Aetion, A-E-T-I-O-N, for those who are going to search that, which is partnered with the FDA on researching COVID-19 policy. That's just one guy. That's just Scott Godlove. In fact, let's let's look at this. This is the guy who told us that the six feet apart thing. I just want you to hear what he has to say about the six feet social distancing thing. Check this out. And you're right. The six feet was arbitrary. The six feet was arbitrary in and of itself. But if the administration had focused in on that, they might have been able to affect a policy that would have actually achieved their outcome. But he doesn't know that, that. policy making process didn't exist. And the six feet is a perfect example of sort of the lack of um, rigor around how CDC made recommendations. Nobody knows where it came from. Most people assume that the six feet of distance, the recommendation for keeping six feet apart, comes out of some old studies related to flu, 
where droplets don't travel more than six feet. We now know COVID spreads through aerosols. The initial recommendation that the CDC this guy is a doofus. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And a a political appointee in the White House said we can't recommend ten feet. Nobody can measure ten feet. It's inoperable. Society will shut down. So the compromise was around six feet. Okay, so that was from that was from an interview with CBS, CBS News. Excuse me. And if you remember when we had Dr. Lee Merritt on, this guy goes, oh, we know this. We know the droplets just go only six feet. What? When we had Dr. Merritt on, she said, Tim, nobody can determine how far they're going. This, this has a lot of variation. She said droplets from your mouth, if you sneeze, if you cough, any of this, can travel up to 30 feet. And I would even say that's even questionable. When this stuff gets in the air, Depends on how much breeze you got or whatever else you got going on. But this guy is a paid propagandist. That's what he is. Okay? That's all he is. And he's getting on and he's saying, we don't even know where this came from. It doesn't even make any sense. You could, if you'd have forced this, this would have done this. He doesn't know that. He doesn't know that. But he's a paid propagandist. Here's another one. Stephen Hahn... He led the FDA when it authorized Moderna's COVID shots, recently took an executive-level post with flagship pioneering the company that launched Moderna. Now, Moderna is the one I played for you, the, the, what was he, the chief scientist guy over at Moderna, and he's the one talking about hacking your DNA. We can cure cancer by just changing one little thing in the DNA. And make it work. These are the same companies putting out shots that within the last 10 months have killed thousands, if not tens or hundreds of thousands, upwards of a million, according to Dr. Robert Young, people across the world. Now, in America... We're probably looking at hundreds of thousands, and they're not being reported, even though the official number is only in the tens of thousands, okay? So what else? Not only is he has an executive-level post with this flagship pioneering the company that launched Moderna, flagship holds 20 million shares of Moderna stock which as of October 16, 2021, is valued at 6.5, listen to this, billion, with a B, $6.5 billion. They earned $1.4 billion through the sale of Moderna stock earlier this year. Now, why is that important? Because President Donald Trump took billions of our dollars and poured it into Big Pharma unconstitutionally. He didn't have authority to do it. We didn't give him authority to do it. He just did it on his own. Threw them billions of dollars, and people will back it up, these Trumpite idolaters who need to repent, by the way, continue to make excuses for Donald Trump. Well, he had to do this for this, that, and the other. It was political. Well, we don't elect people to be political. We elect them to uphold the law. That's what we elect them to do. When they become political is when they become corrupt. If they're upholding the law, we uphold them. If they're, become, if they're, if they're being political, they become corrupt. Just make no, make no bones about it. That's what they are. Here's what else we know about Stephen Hunt. There's virtually no separation between flagship and Moderna. Flagship CEO 
Nubar Afian, who co-founded Moderna and owns over 2 million shares of Moderna stock, is the current chairman of Moderna. Additionally, Moderna CEO Stefan, I'm hoping that's correct. I hope it's not a girl. <laughs> Stefan Bansel is listed as a flagship special partner. In September, Han was appointed the chief medical officer of flagship launched Your BioHealth, a company that sells COVID-19 testing kits. Isn't that interesting? And then finally, what we have is we have Mark McClellan. Not as much to read on this guy. He was a FDA commissioner from 2002 to 2004 and served in other high-ranking government posts. He has maintained a board of directors seat with pharma giant Johnson & Johnson since 2013. McClellan owns thousands of shares in the company and receives around 300 grand annually. Now, I got a question for you. Is there a conflict of interest here? You can't tell me these guys, McClellan and Hahn and Gottlieb, weren't dealing with these people under the table while they were at the FDA. I just, I don't believe it. I, I, I don't believe it. And I don't think any of you believe it either. I don't think that you believe it either. But these aren't the only guys. And you say, why is this a, why is this a big deal? You know, Jesus warned the, the money changers, okay, in the temple. He, he, he warned them that they were making merchandise of the people. And that's why he made a cord... He made a whip of cords, and he went into the temple to drive those rascals out. He was cleansing the temple. If you go back in the Old Testament, you'll see the, the, the parallel there of what he's doing that the priests did. And he did it twice. He did it just right as he started his ministry. He did it right at the end of his ministry, and he drove these rascals out. What are these people doing? They are making merchandise of you. They're making merchandise of the American people who are ignorant of what they're doing. They're making mer merchandise of the people around the world because we've even got Israel, for whatever reason they're trying to do it, trying to push the FDA to authorize boosters here in America. What business is it of theirs? None. It is none of Israel's business what we do. You know what? We should keep our nose out of Israel's business and get out of them, get out of there in the Middle East, and they should keep their nose out of ours. Plain and simple. There you go. Problem solved. Okay? Problem solved. Well, Russia will come in there. Okay. When Russia shows up at our back door, you let me know, and then we'll deal with that. Until then, let's quit this nonsense. All right? So, my friend Marianne, she... Um, has been doing these FDA reports, and I thought I'd give you a little flavor of them coming out. Now, remember, Marianne had a daughter um, who was prescribed OxyContin. Uh, I, believe, I believe she had a surgery or something, and they had given it to her for pain, and it ended up killing her. And from that time, Marianne has been on this crusade of reporting on the drug companies, uh, Purdue Pharma, uh, the FDA, and other other outlets and other drugs that are coming out. She's um, just, I mean, relentless in wanting to go after these companies because she really believes that in the process of what they were doing, the life of her daughter was taken. 
And I, I'm not going to argue with her. I think she's exactly right. Here's some of the things that she's put out recently. The Division Director of Anesthesia, and Analgesia, and Addiction Products at the FDA, Bob Rappaport, was a lapdog for the pharmaceutical industry, not a watchdog for the American people. Now, that's exactly right, and that's exactly what I'm talking about, about these guys, Han and Gottlieb, and you know these guys that I just read off to you. That's exactly what they've become. They've not become a friend to the people and a guard dog as what the FDA is supposed to be set up, even though it shouldn't even be in place in the first place. Okay? This is what this guy was. And so... She goes down through and she said, The retirement of Dr. Rappaport was announced by the FDA at the end of September. Sharon Hertz, MD, was named acting division director, filling Rappaport's position. This was at the time he was in there. Strange, though, it is now into November an email sent to Rappaport. Do not direct the sender to Dr. Hertz with her email. Rather, the following email is returned to the sender. And it talks about his email there. But it was one of the products that he, that he that the FDA approved under him. One of Dr. Rappaport's biggest contributions to the American people before the FDA announced his retirement was an opioid called Zohydro-ER. And Zohydro-ER will be the first hydrocodone-only opioid in doses of 5 to 10 times more heroin-like narcotic than Vicodin. I hope I'm pronouncing those words correctly. The FDA disregarded their own advisory committee who voted 11 to 2 not to approve the opioid because of the committee's concerns about the potential impact on public health. How could the FDA approve Zohydro ER when there is no abuse deterrent built into the drug so when it's crushed, chewed, or mixed with alcohol, the high probability of death exists? Didn't the FDA violate their own directive that opioids would only be approved by them if there were a built-in abuse preventive in the drug? Dr. Rappaport was quoted as saying the FDA did not want to be seen as punishing the company, which was Zogenics, and the drug Zohydro-ER because of the sins of other companies and their product. This was not about health. And you can bet your bottom dollar there's some money to exchange hands here. I'm just saying, I'll bet there's money that's exchanged. God knows, but I'll bet there's some money that exchanged hands for that approval. This is corrupt as it, as it gets, folks, at your expense, at your children's expense, at your neighbor's expense. Vicodin. Thank you, Jennifer. So here's this guy, and there's, there's a lengthy article here, and this guy was given awards um galore and and yet he's doing things like this he he's doing things like this there's another one that she brings up <clears throat> and this is concerning the conflicts as well okay uh within the FDA now this was I'm trying to think this was originally written so none of this is written for like right now okay even though it applies right now. This was written in 2016, May of 2016. Listen to what she had to say. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration today approved, oh my goodness, probufin, <laughs> probufine, I don't know. The first 
I'm not even going to try to say it. Implant for the maintenance treatment of opioid dependence. Probufen is designed to provide a constant low-level dose of this other word, which I'm going to give it a shot. Buprenorphine. How's that? Maybe something that goes a different way. For six months in patients who are already stable on low to moderate doses of other forms of buprenorphine as part of a complete treatment program. Until today, buprenorphine, I'm trying to say it slowly so I can at least get the syllables in there, for the treatment of opioid dependence was only approved as a pill or a film placed under the tongue or on the inside of a person's cheek until it dissolved. While effective, a pill may film or film may be lost, forgotten, or stolen. However, as an implant, probufine provides a new treatment option for people in recovery who may value the unique benefits of a six-month implant compared to other forms of buprenorphine, such as the possibility of improved patient convenience from not needing to take medication on a daily basis. An independent FDA advisory committee supported the approval of probufine in a meeting held earlier this year. Opioid abuse and addiction have taken a devastating toll on American families. We must do everything we can to make new innovative treatment options available that can help patients retain or regain control over their lives at FDA Commissioner Robert M. Califf, M.D., Today's approval provides the first ever implantable option to support patients' efforts, blah, 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 blah. And then there's, there's other things that come down here. There are conflicts of interest, again, in this, this particular article. And so what are they driving people towards? They're always driving people towards synthetic, man-made drugs, which usually have all kinds of problems attached to them, you want to talk about chemical imbalances, they do it and then they have to go back in and they have to prescribe other things to fix whatever that particular drug that you took before messed up. Remember when we had uh, Dr. Jane Ruby on, one of the things that she said was, guess what these big pharma companies, their stock is going up and they're selling a lot of now that they've got this, these COVID shots out there in the, under the emergency use authorization. Guess, guess what they're doing? She said they're selling their blood clot medicines now. Or not the blood clot, the, the anti-blood clot, blood thinners. Those are going through the roof. Why? Because they're creating the problem, and then they come in with a solution, and they're making money off the people. They're having merchandise off of them. Again, I, I can't say this enough. You guys, we've read the story, and many of you have heard it, of the woman with the issue of blood in the New Testament. And what does the Bible say? It's interesting the Bible points this out. She spent all she had on the doctors to fix her problem. Over a decade she had this problem. None of them could help her. None of them. And yet she was spending all she had on it. And what does the Bible tell us? It tells us that in her mind she said, if I can just touch the hem of Christ's garment... I'll be whole. And the Bible says that when she did so, that Jesus felt the power go out of him and turned around and said, who touched me? It wasn't like he didn't know. And the disciples are going, Lord, there's a bunch of people around here. How are we supposed to know who touched you? Everybody's touching you. And let me let you in on this. 
This woman in that society was considered unclean. That means she was ceremonially unclean because she was constantly menstruating, if you will. She's, she's bleeding. And yet she touches the one they call rabbi, master, lord, teacher, which would have made him unclean except what happened when she touched him. She was made clean, right? And so when he looks at her and he says, daughter, your faith has made you heal, uh, whole. It's, it's healed you. Is anybody getting this? Does anybody see in Scripture? I mean, if you're a believer, I'm just I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this out. This is my thought. Those of us who call ourselves believers, where are we told to be taking these drugs? I'm, I'm just asking the question here. I'm not gonna beat on somebody if you take. I'm just, I'm just asking the question. Where are we told to do that? In fact, we're told the opposite, are we not? I reference Psalm 91 all the time. We're to hide ourselves in the Most High, in the shadow of the Most High, right? He protects us from the noisome pestilence, the pestilence that walks into darkness, right? The Bible tells us that God is our healer, Jehovah Rapha. Now, I'm not, again, I've been very clear about traumatic incidents. You get in a car wreck and you got a steering column in your chest or something or you know, you get an arm cut off or a broke leg or something. You need somebody to set that and to fix that. Those are those can be very life-threatening issues, okay? But it seems everything having to do with drugs, it may start out well. Somebody may take it and say, oh, I feel much better. And then all of a sudden, all the problems start coming in. It's just one behind the other. And it takes another drug to fix that problem. We're not told anything like that in Scripture. And I think we are given a warning with that lady about spending all our money on the doctors. I'm, I'm just, nothing against doctors, I'm just saying, it just, it's incredible to me that the people of God aren't picking up on that. That they aren't picking up on those things. Again, I can go over here, Marianne put out another article on this, uh, this, this drug that I just mentioned, the Zohydro ER, um, and what it had done. I mean, it's it's not the first time that they have approved, the FDA has approved drugs that have indeed killed people. And she recounts some of this stuff. She recounts Dr. Robert Rappaport, who was the gentleman who was heading the FDA at the time, and what went on there. Uh, but it's absolutely incredible what had happened with this particular drug, too. Um, and this was used, and this was part of what they're calling the opioid crisis. Look, I, our epidemic. I don't know so much that it's an epidemic. It might be, but it's, from what I can see, it's not so much an epidemic. But there's a problem when the when this FDA, which is unconstitutional, starts approving drugs and telling you they're safe and effective, just like they're doing with the vaccines. What does that mean? Now, let me give you a hypothetical here. If... I have a water tank full of, I don't know, a dozen great white sharks. And they haven't been fed in a week. And I tell you, well, studies show that sharks really don't like to attack humans. And um, they'll pretty much stay away from you and blah, 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 blah. So it's relatively safe for you to go swimming in that tank with those sharks. 
how many of you would get in the tank in the first place? Not me. I'm, I'm not going to get in, even if they'd just been fed. I'm not going to get in there. But how many of you would go get in there? Well, what is the difference in that and them telling you this is safe and effective? We've tested it, and out of so many people, you know, this many people, it seemed to have helped. Seemed to have helped. They can't actually prove that it helped. They have no long-term studies for that. At least not in the new stuff they're putting out now with these COVID shots. They don't. They just don't have it. In fact, in the ten months or eleven months that it's been out here in the states, we've seen a massive amount of deaths of people who had the shot and died shortly thereafter. Massive, more than the entire virus history records, more than thirty years of any "quote unquote" vaccine, any shot. Okay. Uh, so anyway, this is some of the stuff here. Now, there's also another issue that comes up, um, that they, that again, these guys were installed, the FDA was installed to ensure safety. It was going to be this hard nose that was going to hold big pharma to account, okay? Make them produce good quality products for the people that were for their health, and I got to tell you, when you start looking around here in America, just while you're out today somewhere, start up a conversation with five five people that you'll you'll encounter. They don't even have to be friends. Just somebody you meet. Up, hey, how's it going? Let me ask you something. Have you are are you taking any kind of you know FDA approved drugs? Do you have some kind of health issue or something? I mean, not don't start a conversation with them. See if you can get them to talk about that and find out out of those five people how many of them have some kind of a health issue or an issue that has been brought on because of some form of FDA-approved drug. Just, just see, see what you can find out. I'd love to hear from you guys tomorrow. Because we're told we have the greatest health system in the world. I'm just not so sure about that. I'm not so sure about it. The more people I see going into the hospital, the more I see damaged people coming out. That's just my observation, okay? And so what do they do? They approve these drugs. We, we talked about the Amish guy who made chickpea salve. They were coming after him for 80-something thousand dollars. He made it naturally himself because he was making statements on it. I think he had one that says cured cancer or something like that, and he had a, a person who had used it on a cancerous tumor on their dog, the tumor went away. Well, but you haven't had studies and blah, 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 blah. Okay, well, FDA's had studies and people are still dying. How is that not fraudulent for them to tell you it's safe and effective? How is that not fraud? I just, I, the double standard here is incredible, okay? But this is how they play the game. Why? Because they're organized crime syndicate. They're an organized crime syndicate. All of D.C. is that. The FBI is a part of it. The CIA is a part of it. The NSA is a part of it. The EPA is a part of it. The Department of Education is a part of it. This is a crime syndicate. That's what they are. This is why they need to be dissolved. This is why the states need to secede. This is why they need to push them off. And then once they've gotten rid of them, they really should start bringing prosecution against these people. Or maybe in the reverse order, however you want to do it. That's what we're seeking to do with tacticalcivics.com, I can tell you that. We want justice. 
And we want to be the instruments that God uses to bring that justice. So, let's think about what is the impact of this. We're already seeing the elderly. Let's change that. The vintage in our society. I like the way Kate said that. Those who are supposed to be wise in our society, who've lived long lives, who have wisdom to pass down to their children, grandchildren, and those around them. We've seen how they've been killed off. Now we're seeing the middle-aged people. Had the story out the other day, the guitar technician from Kiss. Dead, leaves behind a wife and three little boys because he got the shots. And you know the numerous stories we've covered here of people in their 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s who've died after getting these shots. Most of them inside of three months. And now we're seeing it being forced on the military. Here's, here's one of the latest stories. Pentagon threatens Navy SEALs with discharge and payback cost of training. You know that's a lot of money. For refusing their unlawful COVID mandate. Now, I'm interested in finding out what the Navy SEALs are saying about this. My guess is behind closed doors when they're sitting around the table smoking their cigars and having their whiskey that they're talking about, hey, we're going to do something about this. We're not, we're not taking these shots. I, I just I have a feeling that's going on, but I doubt they'll go on record. Maybe there'll be somebody who would. I'd, I'd love to see it. But this was something that I put out in the article that we had yesterday. If the SEALs actually meant their oath, they should band together and deal with the real domestic enemies in this country that swore to defend, they swore to defend against. And they can find them at the White House, in the Capitol building, and in the Pentagon, just to name a few. See, this is something, and I want to point back to something that Bill and I, I was speaking about our conversation yesterday. This is something Bill and I talked about yesterday. See, it's one thing you put your hand on the, on the Bible, lift another one up, and you, you, you make an oath. It's another thing to have the mindset that says, okay, I have in my mind, I'm going to go fight bad guys on a foreign battlefield, even though I said I would defend this Constitution against enemies that are domestic, too. And it's hard to find guys who will actually deal with the domestic enemies in the U.S. from my military. And I'm not bashing military guys. I'm not bashing veterans. I'm just simply saying, your oath was to defend against the domestic enemies, right? Tell me, who's your domestic enemies? Is it Tim Brown? Is it Adam Heikkila for speaking out at a school board? Or Amber Redmond for speaking out at a school board? By the way, both of those are going to be on in the morning. Okay, so you don't want to miss that because there's some developments where they're trying to deal with these, these corrupt school boards and health departments, and they're now turning it on them to try to make them out like they're the bad guys, like they're the domestic terrorists. But I want to ask our veterans, where are you at? Some of them have spoken out. We've got the video. I'm not going to play it because it's got too much language in it, but you can see it at sonsofcelebritymedia.com. When are they going to band together and deal with the domestic enemies? And their domestic enemies are the ones telling them what to do right now. I mean, you may have seen this uh, Levine guy. He looks like Fred Flintstone with a wig to me. That's what he reminds me of. Pretending like he's a woman. He doesn't even do a good job at even trying to appear as a woman. Made him a four-star admiral. 
I don't even know there was such a thing in health and human services. It isn't a military thing as far as I can get. I, I mean, I, what I see, maybe somebody can correct me on that. I'm not up on all that stuff. But that's been the news for two days now. Two days, this guy, who dresses like a woman, that yes, your senators approved of him, confirmed him to be in the department, the unconstitutional Health and Human Services Department. And still, many of you think, well, if we just vote red again this time. <laughs> you people who think like that, let me tell you what you are. You're Charlie Brown, okay? And the WWE gig is got the football saying, come on, I promise I'll let you kick it this time, Charlie Brown. It's a special kind of stupid to do that. It really is. And it's time that we woke up and understand that we are the solution. The people have always been the solution here. The people are the government in this setting of America. Romans 13 talks about the governing authorities, right? Well, who's the governing authority here in the United States of America? We the people. I mean, that's the way it's set up. How many people are governing their lives according to that? First, starting with the self, self-government. And how does that happen? I'm going to tell you how it happens. The Bible says that we're given the Holy Spirit, and the fruits of having the Holy Spirit are, among them, self-control. Self-control. The second area where that's carried out is in the family. And we talk about this, and we remind people every Wednesday the family is a jurisdiction of its own, and it has certain authorities that it has, namely among husband to wife, wife to husband, and children. Okay? And what goes on there? Well, what goes on there unless somebody's killing somebody or injuring somebody in, in a, in a, with malice, or they're doing something that is unlawful according to the law of God, they're not to be touched. They're just not to be touched. That's, ju that's the jurisdiction of the home. Then we have the jurisdiction of the church. And who's head of that? Is it government? Nope, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one who gave himself for the church to redeem her back unto God from her sins. And he has given instruction to those who lead the church on how to lead the church, how to teach the church, and what to teach them and then the church is to be a ministry. The people of the church are to be ministers themselves. You don't have one minister in the church. You don't even have two or three. All who are gathered there who are part of the church are ministers, and they're to be taught by those who have been gifted to teach them, Ephesians 4. And then we get to civil government, and for some reason, people in America, I don't know what it is, Christians, professed Christians, chunk all of the precepts that have been laid out from self-government to family to church, and they chuck it out and they say, well, we can let women lead too. We can let women. I'm not saying women don't have the capacity for it, but the fact of the matter is God has established the authority line too. Read 1 Corinthians 11. He's established an authority line. And as he has done that, we are to follow that. And he's laid precept upon precept from the single person, to the family, to the church, to the civil government. And what have we done with that? Well, we pretty much destroyed all of it.
we pretty much destroyed the foundation of what's there. And if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do, right? What, what, what are they going to do? Well, I want to tell you what we're going to do. We're to rebuild the foundations. And the way we rebuild the foundations is to go back to the Creator and learn the old paths in the Scriptures. That's called repentance. We're to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Let Him give us a new heart if we don't already have one. And repent of our sin. That's our lawlessness. John says sin is transgression of the law. And then how does that work itself out? Because this is, a, this is why I want to bring Bill on. I'd just love for you guys to sit in on some of our conversations. We have great conversations together. Because Bill asks some questions that other people won't ask, and they're actually questions that are in my mind, many of them. Not all of them, but many of them. Uh, he provokes me to some of that. And I'm glad. I'm thankful for him. And one of the things is, is okay, we can talk about that. What does that look like? when it works itself out. And you guys know, I've said this over and over, that sometimes I see things in Scripture, but I don't see anybody doing it, so I, I can't see how it's been done. You know, this is part of what Titus says, the older men are to teach the younger men. Titus chapter 2. The older women are to teach the younger women what it looks like to be a Christian and to do the things that they're supposed to do in their life. This is why we need the older generation, that vintage generation, if, if they're walking the walk. If they're not walking the walk, we don't need them. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying that in the euthanasia. I'm saying we don't need to listen to those people. We need to listen to those who walk the walk before us. God has given to them to us, given them to us in order to teach us how we may honor him by seeing it in their life. This is what James talked about, about their faith being justified. He wasn't talking about they're justified before God in some kind of, some kind of way that's uh, you know, uh, uh, akin to justification as we understand it, that we've been clothed in the righteousness of Christ, that our sins have been taken away. He's talking about the, the, what we can't see has happened. Just as Jesus told the, 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 the Pharisees who were looking at him and told the guy, to uh, your sins are forgiven. He says, what you can't see, let me show you that I have power over what you can't see to forgive sins. I'm going to show you just how powerful I am. Get up and walk. And the guy got up and walked. That's the justification of it, is what we do there. Guys, we're being played here at the FDA. I think most of you know that. And now we've got to stand up. And it's a tree. Had the music up there. We've got to stand up against it and be fearless in calling out their crimes and bringing them to justice. That's the one thing that's being left off. I'll see you at 3 p.m., Lord willing. SonsOfLibertyRadio.com, SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. Adios.